0: saying was nobody knows anything people are awful predictors and it's really their level of certainty that's dangerous
1: that's the most important part
0: and when they think they know something and they're wrong they're just not uncertain enough that you know, like Trump, everybody he had no chance you know Nate Silver said he had a 30% chance like a couple days before Day before, but like everybody thought, thirty percent—that's zero, <laughs> right? And then some sites said ninety-five-five, but even five percent—that's a two outer, right? It
1: happens all the time, all the time.
0: It happens all the time, yeah. Uh, it's just—it's just unbelievable.
1: But you would think.
0: But I should know the, the voting.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it should be more precise at this point.
0: Yeah, but it's um. When you look closely at something, you change it. And the, the analytics on the polling yeah. convinced everybody. Nobody, nobody needed to vote. You know, Hillary didn't need to come out to vote. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if there was no, there was no certainty. If it just said it's fifty-fifty, what would have happened? If all of them. New York Times said 50-50, All the predictive analytics said that. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't have helped. Trump, that's for sure. Right. Like, you'd rather be the underdog. It's like the voting in American Idol. <laughs> the last, the finalists, there's always a presumed favorite. Yeah. The presumed favorite often underperforms. Um, and when they think you're safe, they don't vote for you. Because there's...
1: It's voted on by the public.
0: Yeah, those things are voted on by the public. And, you know, it's it's like if you, if you have a tug of war and you're on a team with a million people, what incentive do you have to try that hard? You know, it's just human nature not to give best effort. Thanks, I've been thinking about this my whole life. Because I am the opportunist. We
1: didn't get your voice out there.
0: Remember my study group? My uh, my uh, econometrics? No, yeah. No, my corporate finance study group? Gosh, where I probably you, pulled it more than once at Duke. Where you just dropped out group of, pizza for the group? Group of friends, I just bail. Um,
1: you, you at least brought them food, right?
0: Well, they, they told me they were going to like, tell the professor if I didn't buy them pizza and cater all the study group meetings because I just checked out and didn't go to class. And that was such a big part of the grade. They were never really going to do that to me, but I wasn't about to call their bluff. They were right. You know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's a word for it, and I'm, I'm not thinking of it as a phrase for the person who doesn't give that effort because he knows he can get away with it. Um, but all these words describe me. And uh, Anyhow, so I'm dealing with the, the site launch. And I've barely had time to, to think about and tweet about or anything. These games, but I did watch them.
1: How many times?
0: I watched all of the first game. Who, who, was, who was the first game of the weekend?
1: I'll give you a few minutes to come up with a name.
0: Uh, I know Appalachian State was second. Correct. And I watched the first half and a little of the second half.
1: Of which one?
0: The A- App State game? App State. and I, I have it taped and yeah. I plan to watch the rest because I know some of the subs got in and I want to see it. Um, they play well. Good. Yeah. Ah, feel vindicated. That's I good. Know, I know,
1: because I sort of felt uh, embarrassed by their performance in uh, against Penn State.
0: Vankovic didn't look that great. Dude, you come in for forty-five when seconds. He, he just—he's got that look on his face
1: that he's just lost.
0: Did you see that block shot this week? This last weekend. Yeah, he looked great. I mean, that block shot you, was something you else. You can see the
1: ceiling is high. Oh my gosh. It's high.
0: Right. Six
1: ten. He's gonna get bigger. I mean, remember it, going up into the Michigan State game? I, I want to say he had not missed a single field goal attempt in his two career. He's like five for five all times.
0: Well yeah, he's just getting those are the only shots apparently he's he's gonna take in the offense is Grayson Allen yeah, draws the double one. team and uh you know that's true. Coach K continues to play the short bench in any game that matters. Only six guys against Michigan State. Yeah. But uh who did they play before Appalachian State? Remind me. William and Mary. William and Mary. That's right. It I kind of remember that game now. It's been like almost a week. Um, Should
1: we get the box scores up? Or not really. I mean, there's not really that much to say outside of the. There's nothing to analyze. Good. Yeah. Kanard is struggling with, like, really struggling with his shot.
0: Which I'm fine with. Yeah. I, I have total confidence in his all around game. And
1: he might be mentally weak. Is Luke Kennard mentally weak? Why do you think he's mentally weak, dude? He always plays with his hair, he's OCD.
0: How often is always?
1: Always. If you would watch these games and pay attention, you would see. He's always fucking playing with his hair.
0: Duke has a history of anal anal it's players. not anal. Anal about a peer. I mean... It's, it's clinical. I mean... <laughs> you were diagnosing Luke Kennard on the podcast.
1: I took abnormal psychology and I can diagnose his behavior.
0: <laughs> I took that class, too. Yeah. Were we in the class together? Was that our one class this semester a, we took together?
1: I did a summer... Oh, we did take
0: class together. Yeah, Victor Stramberg.
1: Stramberg, and then was that it? I think that was it. I
0: think we took two Victor Stramberg classes together. I think we took Intro to Jazz. No, that was someone else. I'll never take that. Bunch of losers took that class. All right. Um, I wish I could. I wish I had gone to more of those classes and, and actually paid attention. I wish I knew more about jazz. I know a little bit. Um, I love jazz. Yeah. Listen, jazz is America's greatest Whew. art form. Have you ever watched Tremé? Yes. Did you watch it all the way through? Or just yes. a couple, sample it? Yes. Tremendous. Uh,
1: it had its moments. It was beautiful. It Definitely was a beautiful thing.
0: Moments. Yeah. Um, it was thick. It was thick to watch. There
1: was I, a lot going on. It was like a little bit too uh, not like tight. It was, there was like...
0: It wasn't about on. only the narrative. It wasn't like tight narrative. Yeah. It was about atmosphere, music, culture. Um... Maybe a little heavy-handed with some of the political stuff. With Steve Zahn.
1: Contractors. Was he the brick brick, white guy, young guy?
0: He was the guy. He was that annoying guy. Yeah. Yeah. Contractor. No, no. Steve Zahn. Steve Zahn was in like High Fidelity with Jack Black, working at the record store, I think. Little little mousy guy. He like his mom was rich in the show and. He was always like passionate about something. He loved. Was
1: he the music
0: guy? Really passionate about him. He was a DJ. Kept getting fired.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's Steve Zahn.
0: Yeah, Uh, it sounds like you barely watched the show.
1: I'm talking about the contractor, (laughs) the dirty contractor who tried to buy the land. I thought that's who Steve Zahn was.
0: Okay, that guy was nobody. I mean, as an actor, he's not a big name. There was one guy. Who cares? the the musician Absolutely. who ends up no the, the we talked about Tremaine? You know the girl the 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 the, the, the half violinist? Asian. The half Asian? Yeah, she was yeah. beautiful. She's an actual musician yeah, turned okay. actress for that that her like shitty heel boyfriend in the show. The drunk. Yeah, he's he's now like the fucking man on Game of Thrones. Yeah. He's he's the guy. He's doing it with Danny. Yeah. yeah but yeah, pretty amazing. And he was uh he's been in movies. I've seen him in a couple like lead lead roles and yeah, in romance bigger, movies. I mean, that, the, it's pretty cool. The, uh,
1: the son of uh, Detective Freeman was uh,
0: Detective Freeman, you're talking about the wire? Yeah,
1: but that guy wasn't in, in Treme. like almost the entire cast was in
0: Treme. There was like three or four notable like, carryovers. Detective Overs. Freeman was in there. Bunk Bunk was so, so great. Bunk, was, in Bo- in Bunk in, was awesome. Bunk's like the most underrated guy on TV, right? He just kills it, and he's of such a pleasure to watch. On both shows. Yeah. Amazing. Well,
1: yeah. Well, so is Freeman.
0: Yeah. Anyway, that's true. Freeman's Bunk
1: son was like a musician in New York who would fly back every now and then for family affairs. He was the basketball player. He was Chief, he was Chief Lambeau. Yeah. Dying of uh, asbestos or something. Yeah. Incredible. And, uh, Yeah.
0: Yeah, his son. Yeah, his his son. son was a
1: basketball son. player
0: in uh, the Sean Connery movie. All right, let's talk about HBO shows the whole time. Right,
1: let's let's get on with
0: it. Let's forget. All right, so I don't think we have to a lot of. We don't we need to break down the William and Mary game right, we'll or the just, app, just, app State we'll game. Just touch on it real quick. I thought the teams the team looked good. Um, Are we recording? We've been recording the whole time.
1: When's it gonna start? When do we pound that brand that slogan?
0: Oh, welcome to Duke basketball junkies. I am your host Michael Exa along with my co-host Peter Rowe.
1: That's important We should state our name each time yeah
0: Duke both Duke 98 graduates somehow I graduated just in
1: case we ever make it big
0: We came in uh, you know academic stars we left limping out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Peter is a professional poker player here in Las Vegas um, a workman a poker player's poker player a workman. Uh, you know, a classy poker player. Uh, some notable tournament caches, but mostly a cash game player. I'm blushing. What's what's this tangent about? I don't know. People can get to know you a little. Uh, and I've had a colorful, colorful career that we won't get into. I'll <laughs> save it for another podcast. Uh, I ended up going to Duke Law, and so I uh, graduated from Duke Law in one Didn't use my law degree for very long. Me and Tucker Max had the most non-traditional. Jobs coming out of my law school class. Tucker Max. Tucker Max. I forgot that name. We'll talk about Tucker Max. Uh, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell a couple Tucker Max stories.
1: Is he relevant nowadays? He
0: has, he has this website about publishing your own book. Okay. And he's like in the.
1: But he had that one awful movie, and then he was never heard from again.
0: I mean, the, yeah, he wasn't going to be a screenwriter uh, for very long. But he wrote a couple of books. Yeah. He wrote. Um, now he's like sort of like a life coach almost, but he's like uh, like
1: a pickup artist coach
0: no 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 No, No, he's settled down I think a little bit and he's like really he's like tight with like the 4 hour work body guy or the 4 hour work week guy I forget his name he has a podcast I listen to the psychology podcast and that guy knows Tucker Max he's like you know he's much more he's very well known I think in certain circles Hmm. Um, and his intelligence is highly respected he was like a, in in his not field. yeah I'm not gonna no spoilers for these stories but obviously he was a, a big big douchebag uh, most people considered him an incredibly big douchebag while we were at Duke Law and I have I have some really good stories I'll, I'll, I'll share I'll I'll tease that and we'll, <laughs> we'll get into it later and you know maybe in the off season when we have you know podcasts that aren't about games so back to those these awesome games against William and Mary and App State uh, did you have while, any points you back. wanted to make? It was a while back. It was. Maybe, maybe I will pull up the box. Uh,
1: yeah, th- I mean, there were, you know, we, we always schedule a handful of these sort of easier games uh, to start of the season. Um, it's a good opportunity for the bench players to, to come in. And um, after sort of embarrassing themselves in that Penn State game, I thought Frankovich and Deloria looked really good against uh, William & Mary at Appalachian State.
0: It looks like Vankovic got 13 minutes, um, two for two from the field four rebounds, um, so two blocks. And... Yeah, Brankovic
1: s- s- still s- seems to me like he's got a very low ceiling, so I don't mind if he doesn't play that much. But Delorier, yep. like he has some, some phenomenal plays. I mean, they both they both sort of make boneheaded mistakes also when they're out there, which is to be expected, but he has some very athletic, you know, blocks. Yeah. Um,
0: my guess is Coach K is trying to instill discipline in Deloriere before he unleashes him and you know has him go too crazy on the world. And it might be till next year that we really see him, uh, you know, really flourish. Given these freshmen coming in, he had nine minutes in that first game against William and Mary. I think he had one dunk, kid two rebounds. Yeah. Uh, that was not the game where he had the block. Apparently, the block came in the Appalachian State game because he's not credited with a block for that game. Um. William and Mary played pretty well at the beginning of the game. Like, really good team basketball, backdoor cuts. Yeah. And um, I did a little oppo research at the time. And if my memory serves me, they're coached by a former uh, Dean Smith player, a walk-on uh, from, like, the early to mid-70s. I think he walked on in 72 or 73. And um, he's actually had a really interesting coaching career. What's his name? beats me uh, his name no, I'm kidding his name is, what
1: and the other guy the, the other guy was uh, Bob McCope's assistant at uh, Davidson that was Appalachian State
0: I didn't do APA research on Appalachian State so you no. tell me <laughs> uh, yeah I know. the William & Mary basketball coach is uh, Tony Shaver and uh he coached high school basketball for a long time after after UNC. He didn't have, like, a professional career or anything. Yeah. He ended up being, like, a solid player for them, I think. And he coached, um, you know, he did really, really well in uh, high school basketball. And he's been at William & Mary for, like, 13 years. And the last three years, they won 20 games each season. So they came in. They, were, they weren't, a, like, a total scrub. Like, they're actually a successful, you know, lower, mid-major program. So... Uh it was a solid win. I thought they played good team basketball. They obviously couldn't hang for that long. Yeah. Um we were up sixteen at the half. That's not like an incredible blowout. We didn't cover the point spread. Uh
1: this this Duke team has been pretty pretty bad at covering whatever the line is.
0: Yeah. They didn't cover um, I don't
1: know what they are against the spread, but I can't imagine it's better than like three and five or two and six.
0: I know they didn't cover Kansas. I know they didn't cover Michigan State. Um but I don't really understand why the point spreads are so big, given that Coach K is playing six guys. And there's talent on the court, obviously. These guys are experienced and good players. But they are not, you know, some of them are workmen, you know. They're not, like, extraordinary. There's no... Yeah. But also,
1: also, I I, I haven't got... I There's no Okafor you know, on this I team. W- I haven't watched a game where it seemed like everything was clicking, you know. Um, like either Luke struggling or Grayson struggling or...
0: Yeah, grayson, you know, like, Grayson's grayson been playing through injuries, I guess. Yeah. He looked really good against Appalachian... Ha- huh? The first half. Of first that, half of the, yeah. the Appalachian State game. Yeah. And he started rock. He started, like, you know, stepping back on three-pointers. Yeah. And he had some nice drives and nice dishes. His dish game is, is getting there.
1: Elevated, big time. Yeah, pretty good. And it was nice to see his three-point shot falling. Like, it's just so beautiful. You know, like, he, he could just sort of be... A three-point specialist, even though obviously he's got he's got way more talent than that. Um.
0: Yeah, his floor, his floor in the NBA should be, you know, just a guy you station at, at like the, you know, outside the three-point line, and he can swing the ball around, and he can handle a little occasional drive, but three-point, you know, standstill shooter, because he's a great catch and shoot player. Um, right, but potentially. He's a better athlete than that, and he, you know a
1: yeah, pretty phenomenal athlete. I don't. I'm not sure how. You know, obviously the athletes are so much better in the NBA. Yeah. You know.
0: Um. Yeah. You know, I think they they actually played like really well in that first half against Appalachian State, and I thought they played really well for stretches uh, of some other games this year. Rhode Island. Rhode Island, those guys stepped up, played well.
1: Yeah, I, I thought Rhode, Rhode they Island... They made Rhode was... Island
0: look not that great. So. Right, but
1: they. I think they, Rhode Island started off slow. I mean, it's. I think it's easier to play with the lead. Shooting. You know, you, you have an 8-10 point lead, you're looser. Now we're going
0: backwards players. to the to the Bohegan Sun. Yeah. So, let, you know, I think we agree there isn't too much to go into on um, William and & Mary. And I liked watching State. them play. We can talk about Appalachian State for a second. Yeah. Um, you know. I,
1: I, I mean, in my mind, they were both sort of solid, like really good wins. The game was never in doubt. We won by what, 20 or 30 each game?
0: Well, we won by 21 against William and Mary, won by 35 against Appalachian State. Okay. Like, yeah. And we were up 21 at halftime, so it was a little more separation. We actually scored 55 points in the first half um,
1: against uh, Appal- Appalachian State. Yeah. Yeah, I so mean, every, it was a er- bit of an onslaught. Well. The bench came in, I thought the bench played well. Um, I thought the only really troubling thing was Luke Kennard shooting. I I think he went maybe one one of, of eight one, one from of three, one of five, one of eight, one of seven. Like collectively in the last three games, he's something like three for twenty ish. Um, and like it's tough. It's tough to know how that's going to affect him mentally, or if he can just shake that off.
0: I actually um, think he's playing with a lot of confidence, and the fact that he's still willing to shoot eight three pointers in that game. I mean, I don't some, think I don't, some of them were bad. I don't think he has a conscience about it I think he's uh, yeah I mean last year too I just felt like he carried himself with a lot of confidence even when he wasn't shooting well he continued to shoot and uh, I' I'm really up on Luke Kennard based on his early play yeah he's, I mean
1: the good thing for him for both him and Grayson is that if there's if there are three sh- three-point shots not falling they're they're both so good at dribble penetrating and, and getting you know like a 10footer a 12 footer um, and I think Kennard has um, Earned a lot of points in the last three games, doing primarily that because he's been struggling. So, so tremendously from three.
0: The bench got in more. I didn't watch the second half. I, I you know, because I couldn't, you know, because I'm not dedicated. But you did, <laughs> and uh, I've been, you know, anxious for some of these guys to get minutes. They were up apparently being up 40. You know, Coach K can go into the bench for more than like you know yeah. five or ten minutes. You know, per Jack
1: White came in and he he was a pretty you know he was pretty athletic. You know, showed showed some. Some moves. I mean, obviously, he's not going to get very much playing time this year. But, you know, he had his moment. I, I, I felt like the bench really played well. Um, Delorier in the, in the played round.
0: 15 minutes in that game. He's our favorite what-if player. He had two blocks. He was one for three from the field. Um,
1: I think his first two misses showed, in his new career.
0: <laughs> he's just showing these little flashes that we like. Um, okay. Okay. And then, uh, those, those, those were also games like Thanksgiving games where the students weren't there. Yeah. Um,
1: Saw a bunch of old people in the stands.
0: The band, the band is filled with, you know, middle-aged people. It's always awesome to see. I was at a 76ers game a few weeks ago and I saw, I saw a shirt that I was convinced was a Duke band shirt, but it wasn't. Apparently blue and white, you know, like,
1: like a Duke band shirt.
0: I thought I thought it must oh, be oh, for some see, reason. It looked just like it, but apparently it's like not uncommon. It was some sort of lacrosse yeah. or like polo, you know, like a polo type of yeah. Shirt. It was, you know, uh, you know my my dream is to run across a random Duke band member at you know, some other life event wearing the Duke band shirt. Why do they only wear the shirts at <laughs> when they're playing games, right? Right. right. I mean, I, you know, I don't know. They're great, they're nice shirts. Why don't they wear them more often?
1: Can't help you out with this question.
0: Maybe we can order some. Maybe we can order some.
1: Um, one other thing stuck out was uh Frank Jackson's aggression in the paint. I mean, he's just so good at penetrating. He's I Strong. Yeah, I mean, and in the Michigan State, same thing. Like he just he's, he hit one he's jumper. He, he hit
0: one jumper in the lane. We yeah. did a jump stop and rose up. Yeah. Like he jumped. Yes. Into the jump stop with like a lot of athleticism, and then like instantly sprang up, super controlled, like. It was, it was very impressive. That yeah. was my favorite Frank Jackson move of the year, even though he's had some other good ones. Right. Um,
1: uh, love to see that. I mean, he's not, for whatever reason, he's not shooting that much. You know, like when Luke's going 7 for 21 and Grayson's going 8 for 18, it would be nice to see Frank Jackson shoot more than like...
0: He's taking a back seat in the first, first half. Six, seven, eight times. He's taking a back seat, but I think they're probably encouraging him to step up even more. It just seems like... You know, again, Luke Kennard and Grayson Allen, both very ball-dominant. Yeah. And Emile Jefferson deserves the ball quite often in the post.
1: Yeah, he's still pretty, pretty impressive.
0: And I guess maybe, you know, Frank Jackson is used to playing with the ball, so he's, you know, he could be cutting off the ball more. Yeah. I think they're trying to leave Emile's game room enough to, to flourish. And it's working.
1: It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it must be so... Unique or interesting to get into the heads of these guys. These guys were so good in high school; they were so much better than their high school teammates. They come to a program where, you
0: like, you know, don't know what his expectation is. You don't know if he yeah. wants to stay exactly one year, or if he's right. thinking he's going to stay two or three years, and if he's staying one year, he might think he has something to prove to the world. And he, who knows what they're telling him in practice? It's like, I don't. I know that freshmen sometimes come out and they're just world beaters, and sometimes you think they're going to be world beaters in there they're happy to sort of take a back seat. Yeah. You know, but if he can, it, if it's mature. He, it, it seems like evidence of maturity to me. If, if you can he can
1: beat his man that easily off the dribble, uh, you know, try to do that more often.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know. he's, I mean, I don't have this, the advanced analytics stats in front of me. I'd be shocked if he wasn't the, you know, him and Emil aren't the most efficient offensive players on the team in terms of you know, points per shot attempt. Right. You know, true right. field goal percentage. He's he's hitting pretty good rate on threes, right? And yeah. he's yeah. uh I'd say he's finishing the team right wrong.
1: now. He's probably just under thirty nine percent. I think both Luke Luke's come down a lot and uh, Grayson is probably high thirties.
0: So I just try to pull up the Michigan State Duke box score on Google. Mm-hmm and what came up was a beautiful box score from the Final Four two years ago.
1: I was actually going to ask you. Like... A game we
0: were at, and I'm like, wait a second. D. Valentine is still on the team? Wait, wasn't he drafted? There he is. He had 22 points in that game. Five and nine from three-point range. Now he's on the Bulls. Yeah. Um, but we we shellacked them. And it was s- sort of that dunk, that baseline put-back dunk by Grayson Allen was a coming-out moment. Um, mm, okay. I mean, it was a pretty incredible highlight. It
1: was, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I'm not it was a sure if you I'm I'm sure s- that that catalyzed well, the, the spurt in the game.
0: That's not what I meant. I meant, like, if you didn't know about Grayson Allen, you people watch the final four games. And so that yeah. was the best highlight from the game. People probably doing a double take saying, hey, who's, who's that? that guy? Who's yeah. that guy? Yeah, I know about Okafor, I know about yeah. Justice, that kind of thing. Uh, so yeah, look at it, let's look at this box score for a second. This beautiful box score.
1: Yeah, you're cheating. I was just going to ask you uh, not the Michigan State game. Like, who do you who do you remember from the Final Four game from two
0: years ago? We were sitting in such nosebleed seats that your that our connection got us. <laughs> we were so we high. Was, we didn't even
1: use the seats.
0: Yeah, we ended up just watching it from the concourse part of the first yeah, half. Right. Or
1: you could just sort of stand somewhere and watch.
0: Actually, we were late. <laughs> Because of you, to the game. Yeah,
1: it wasn't my fault, it was the airline's fault.
0: Yeah, and we're driving, and, and then there's a time change between Chicago and Indianapolis that I was unaware of, and the, I think, I don't know if you were you knew about it, but you forgot about I, it.
1: I told you the whole time we were going to be late, and for some reason you thought we were going to be on time.
0: We, yeah, I didn't realize. And then we you, made the
1: same mistake at the title game, we showed up an extra hour early.
0: <laughs> that's right, that's shocking. right. Better early. So, um Yeah, so we're just knuckleheads, I guess. You,
1: was, was was there anybody that you, you remembered seeing in the Michigan State game recently?
0: On their team? Yeah. That I remembered? Uh yeah. I just I remember they had you know, I remember Trice hitting those shots in the beginning really? that we that we listened to on the radio. Yeah. Before <laughs> we walked in the building. <laughs> That's embarrassing, right? And then um you know, I remember Dawson being really good. I remember Valentine. They're not on the team anymore. Right. But um, the guy who is is, uh, I mean,
1: who? Lou Rawls. Lou Rawls. i numb nerd.
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't remember being super familiar with their their roster then. Yeah,
1: but he, I think he's the only carryover. Significant yeah. Carryover. I don't know if somebody's on the bench. Like it's those playing a lot of freshmen.
0: Um, this guy Wetzel played against us, right? Am I imagining that? No, that was uh, it. Was a different guy, different guy. Forbes isn't there. Yeah, you know, Looks like they shot forty percent from the field in that game. Usually they're they're rebounding beasts. We actually out rebounded them. Yeah. We shot fifty-two percent from the field. You're, I just remember you're talking about the final four
1: game. That's just, all I, I want to talk be, about. Just yeah, to be clear. The, yeah,
0: and um, everybody had you know everybody played well, and I remember Justice Winslow barreling down the court. You know, I remember Okafor having some moments. He was seven eleven, seven of eleven from the field. So yeah, I, I remember just that
1: uh, Michigan State came out on fire from three. They they took a lead. I think they we ha- we faced our biggest deficit in that game. we were down nine maybe in the first half, and then just very early, yeah. Then and, we just and, rolled. And then just uh, you know the basically grind, you know, ground them down. I think there was a talent. Pretty big talent Dalton in that game and and won pr- relatively easily.
0: Looks like we played eight guys. Eight guys double digit minutes. So how about that? Uh maybe that was because we got well, no. Yeah. Grayson Allen, looking back, nine points, five boards, went to the stripe six times, even though he's only two of six in the field, so pretty good pretty good. Anyhow, let's let's get back to the Michigans. Apparently Coach K is has an incredible record against Yes. Michigan State, and just you know, it's one of the blights on Tom Izzo's career. If he's just performed better against Duke in the NCAA tournament, he might have you know three national championships.
1: I'm, I'm such an Izzo fan. Yeah, I mean, Coach Case ten and one against him, but it, it seems like
0: there's just that big of a talent differential. Well, usually, okay, but
1: Izzo, like his his whole roster is of kids from Michigan. <laughs> we recruit. We cherry pick from the entire country. It seems like Izzo's almost exclusively Michigan because who wants to play in East Lansing? So, it's not.
0: It's not exclusively from Michigan. It's not exclusively, <laughs> but it does seem
1: like all their kids are from, like...
0: And they've, they've had a lot of talent over the years, but... From Michigan. But the overall level of talent isn't what we have at Duke. They tend to have less big-name players. Right. Draymond Green is the best NBA player out of there. But even that team that won the national uh, championship, Draymond Green is one of the best ten or fifteen players in the NBA.
1: Zach, Zach Randolph, uh, you, Jason Richardson. You'll take
0: Zach Randolph or Jason Richardson's career over Draymond's Greens.
1: Uh, I mean, Draymond. Draymond's, Draymond is so early into his career. I mean, I, I grant you that he's, he's going to be he's a Hall a, of Famer. He's a super unique, yeah, you know, super unique pl- player. Like his his profile, super unique.
0: Zach Randolph was a max player at his peak. Jason Richardson got a big contract. Rand-
1: Randolph's career might be pretty impressive. I mean, I, I he, agree. He didn't. Prob- he yeah. didn't have the impact
0: on the game. Yeah, that, that Draymond's Draymond.
1: probably gonna be better. But um, I mean, my point is that Izzo seems to work with recruits just from Michigan, which makes what he does even more impressive. Like, I want to say that for twenty years, he was able to tell every recruit like when he's sitting in the living room, hey, I've never coached a kid who I didn't take to the final four, which is absolutely astounding given that he's recruiting in such a small yeah. pocket of the country whereas we seem to get we seem to cherry pick out of the McDonald's All-American game.
0: Yeah, and he he, he runs a clean program. That's- you know
1: yeah I mean they're always impressive they always seem to play their best in February and March uh, never they, want to they, play in the they're tournament they're big they're defensive they rebound um, they grind and uh, you know Miles Bridges looked pretty impressive he, he showed he, flashes he looks talented a lot of the commentary after the game was that Matt Jones despite shooting one for seven or oh for seven uh, you know shut down Matt Bridges I, I do you, do you, do you buy into that narrative that Matt Jones is that good defensively? Like,
0: I don't. Th- I think I think it's really easy. Like, for oh, he's one of the best defensive players in the country. I don't. I don't think he is. I think he's a good on the ball defender. Yeah, I think he's very he's the, good. He's the best on the ball on the ball defender we've had over the last couple of years on the perimeter. I mean, it wasn't Quinn Cook. You know, Matt Jones guarding guys out there, yeah. making life tough for him. Is he? I don't think. I don't think but, he's like world-class. He like,
1: like, he got credit in the title game against Sam Decker. They're, they were saying, oh, De- like Decker struggled because of Matt Jones. I mean, Decker missed a lot of wide-open threes. And I remember looking up Decker's stats after he sank a bunch of threes against uh, Arizona just to see how good of a three-point shooter he was. He, he wasn't that good. He was like a 32 33% three-point shooter who just got lucky and, and caught fire.
0: Well, who would you compare Matt Jones to favorably or, or unfavorably from – the last twenty years of Duke basketball in terms of like who perimeter defenders. Uh you know, guys that could that could guard multiple positions that aren't sort of big men.
1: Like David McClure.
0: You think David McClure is the comparison? Are you kidding me?
1: David McClure was very good. <laughs> very underrated. <laughs> oh, man, man. Like you're thinking? I James, hope like Badie at the was no, like bigger Badi- than Matt yeah. Jones like he wasn't quite a perimeter like, even though he could
0: Battier was perhaps the best defensive player in the country and I
1: think he he was I think he was named the best yeah, 3 yeah. three consecutive years
0: I, No no I, yeah Matt Jones is not that yeah, Nobody I, I don't think anyone thinks he's that I don't, But like, but
1: it seems like there's just a lot of talk from Coach K as well as from from Tom Izzo that Matt Jones is this all-world defender. He just seems a little too loopy and not I think quite athletic enough to be that great of a
0: defender. He you know? bears down on people, and he's very, very focused. And he knows the team concept, and he's a leader on the floor, yeah. especially on the defensive end. So I think people want him to be one of the best defensive players in the country, yeah. and he's he's got credentials because he's won. And he's played – You know, he's going to have one of those stats, how many games he played at the end of his due career. It's going to be a lot of games a lot of wins, he's a winner. Uh, not taking that away from him, do I think he's one of the best 5, 10 perimeter defenders in the country? I I don't know. But it would surprise me if he was, you know, really the best or close to the best. He seems like a very, very good college defender yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, you know, who's the guy in UConn that they stuck on uh, – um uh, remember when we lost in the 99 championship game. Um there was like a big brother little brother kind of relationship between one of the Yukon Guards. Um
1: I I vaguely recall this. You
0: know what I'm talking about
1: the name doesn't but I definitely know who you're talking cuz he was he was the big brother to Will Avery and he sort of yeah, sort of had the responsibility of, of guarding him.
0: Yeah, why, why why do I not remember his name? I remember the, Ricky little, Moore. the little fat stack. Ricky Moore. Ricky Moore, yeah, yeah. Ricky Moore was...
1: Actually had a was, great offensive game in that first half. I think he single-handedly kept them in that
0: game. Yeah, he he rebounded a lot for his size. Like, I remember him as being, like, an amazing defender, but I might just be remembering sort of, like, a run of games at the in the tournament that year. But I think, you know, maybe, maybe there aren't just that many great defenders in college. Kids come in pretty boy games being only concerned about offense um you know I like the guys on Kansas playing defense and I like you know Michigan State usually has some really good defenders yeah but yeah I mean I don't think we're qualified we don't know enough about the college basketball personnel across the country yet to, to say but yeah I think we both agree the superlatives might get a little out of hand that said pretty good um so yeah, Jay Billis threw that in and it's like it's a given. Um, maybe it is, I don't know.
1: He threw what in.
0: That that that's superlative, one of the best lockdown oh, defenders oh, yeah. in the country. Yeah,
1: when he made a steal.
0: Yeah. Right. Um, let's talk about what's really important. The big Bojangles graphic on the big on the Duke's scoreboard. It's bow time. <laughs> I mean, every time I watch a Duke game now at home, I gotta think about Bojangles. And what that place did to my stomach for all those years. Uh, and they've like really cleaned up their image, I guess. It, you know, it was the greasy dive fast food place. And now it's it's bow time. It's like happy, bright yellow. It used to be orange. It used to be like burnt orange, you know, with an orange roof. You know, now they're selling like, you know, chicken nuggets and chicken strips for kids. It used to be spicy Cajun chicken, dirty rice. What's know. it now? They've just cleaned up. They've cleaned up sort of the brand a little bit to be more kid friendly, family friendly,
1: not as spicy.
0: Let's face it, more appealing to white people, more appealing to higher higher income. Uh, back then, in, when I was an undergrad, I could go and get the four piece dinner, including sweet tea, unlimited sweet tea refills with two sides and a biscuit for four eighty seven, including tax. Right now, their price points are higher. But, you know, there's a lot more corporate sponsorship in Cameron than there was when we were there. You know, there's like ads on the sideboards. Hmm. Have you noticed? Have you... I had not noticed. Yeah. There was nothing. It used to be just, there was no electric, no, no electricity in the press row. Uh, you know, oh, it was I just like wooden blue blocks of, that they yeah. sat on. Yeah. and they get trampled and they'd rush the court.
1: Like every 30 seconds the ad changes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't blame them for, I mean, for doing that. I mean,
1: how do you turn out money?
0: Well, <laughs> I mean, the Duke brand itself. I mean, does it hurt the Duke brand at all? This purity—is it supposed to be like a church in there? I bet you. I mean,
1: I mean, isn't the NBA talking about having ads all over the jerseys of the players? Yeah,
0: this is Cameron it's, Indoor. It's is like
1: different. A t- it's a sanctuary there.
0: <laughs> arguably, <laughs> arguably, arguably, there's a few places you know that are left. Um. So that's what I wanted to talk about about the game uh, Bojangles. Uh, I wanted to mention this before we get into the the actual gameplay. The last non-conference home loss they mentioned to, to in two thousand at St. John's.
1: You were you were there.
0: I was at that game and I remember it well. And I and I took. I that took was a, the last
1: one. Was in two thousand.
0: Yeah, it's amazing, right? Okay. It's pretty, and like we were a big favorite over that St. John's team. They weren't. They weren't that talented. Yeah. Um, I mean, they had talent, but they weren't that talented. And we were pretty talented. Um, I remember I took a good friend of mine to the game and we sort of shifted from the grad student section to sitting with my fraternity buddies. Um, You know, I guess I should mention I was an AEPI Um, and it was just going to be this awesome night and, you know, St. John's beat us, you know. (laughs) In a very very tight game, like almost at the buzzer, yeah. um, If I'm remembering it right, Uh, so yeah, it's funny they bring it up all the time, and it's always a bad memory for me every time they bring up the fact that we've been undefeated against non-conference opponents, and it's a little bit of a cheat. Like we've basically played ten or twenty tough games, you know, but they're not that tough. Right, Right. It's not like we're playing Kentucky at home, right? Or Kansas at home. Michigan State counts, although this year. They're young, so they started four freshmen.
1: Michigan State, is, yeah, yeah, and then they played more talented bench. Yeah,
0: they're very young. They don't have any like sort of veteran stars. Uh, that kid Miles, Miles Bridges, Miles Bridges, very impressive. Yeah, he, athletically, he's
1: out for a couple of weeks with uh, some type of ankle sprain. Oh, yeah, yeah, but uh, he is—he's supposed to be, you know, one of the top ten players in the country. If he develops well, it could potentially lead the lead the Sparties deep in uh, in March.
0: Matt McQuaid was the only non freshman.
1: Seemed a little spazzy, the white, the I white mean, guy who was he had a
0: terrible game. He must be a better player than that to start for them. Yeah. But yeah, you know, I'm gonna have to watch a little more Michigan State and like, you know, Later I on. couldn't help but think this guy is dragging the team down. He he didn't do much. Matt McQuaid. Yeah, and you know he didn't play that much. He says he played 19 minutes, but um, <clears throat> we were picking on him. We went at him on defense. Uh, yeah, they they came out. They played well for a while. I mean, they played it real was well.
1: Pretty, it was what tied it tied at half. Um, I've heard that I didn't think we were shooting that well.
0: Yeah, we were saying uh, it wasn't really that well well played game, but. but I thought it was a pretty well-played game. I, I, I disagreed a little. I
1: feel like that's a fingerprint of Tom Izzo teams and games. Like They play ugly. Yeah, like these a lot of these tough Big Ten schools. Like It's going to be rugged. It's going to be low scoring. So from an optics standpoint, yeah, it's going to look like a poorly played game. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought the game was, you know, halfway through at halftime was a little bit worried and then we got some separation.
0: Tight game. I I didn't really have any doubts. Didn't have um, doubts? I mean I didn't mean, have a lot of doubts. Anything can happen in twenty yeah, minutes. Well, anything can happen, but at home um you know, I, I thought we were good. Like uh, if
1: any of the if our starters get into foul trouble, like Chase Jeter comes in, he doesn't really add anything, you know?
0: We yeah. shot really poorly from three. Uh yeah. You know, we ended up being seven of twenty six yeah. from three and there was some Grayson allen late three point shots. So, a little bit yeah yeah so like
1: it's surprising that they're struggling so much shooting from home like those rims and Cameron are so soft
0: yeah I wonder if it's just the quality of the opponent the names on the jersey some of it I think it's we still have to talk about the fact they're only playing six guys yeah. you know six guys that nobody else got a minute um, and Luke Kennard and Matt Jones played 40 Grayson Allen played 37 and he. They're acknowledging that he's a little injured, I think.
1: Yeah, you can still see that he's, he's, limping. he's, he's limping. Yeah,
0: he's gimpy. And, yeah. you know, I, I still think it's a mistake. I don't think it's that important to prove to, something right now. But to to,
1: to to be so gung-ho to win all these games.
0: Yeah, not that they yeah. shouldn't try to win, but we, we've been through it on the yeah. other podcast right. But, uh, it, you know, some of those guys played well in the previous games. I don't know why they can't play a little bit. Couple minutes in each half, at least, you know. Yeah, a couple of the guys lengthened the bench. Uh, but yeah, uh, Grayson ended up playing really great down the stretch, separated. Emil yeah. continues to just be efficient and just he's good, solid. He's really good, he's still, better than you trials, thought.
1: Still travels a little bit.
0: He drags his foot. Yeah. He drags his foot. He, like...
1: I, I love how when the calls are made against him, like, he, he always goes to the ref and he, and he asks... He can't believe it he, every time. Well, he politely asks <laughs> for an explanation, like, what did I do? How can I prevent this in the future? You know, like, I remember he did that two years ago. In the he's
0: four. polite. He works the refs, but he yeah. does a double take almost every time. I'm getting a little annoyed. He is traveling. These are travels. He... Yeah. It's either he's, like... He's doing it two ways. He's either thinking about it and, like... Taking a little extra step as he like preps his move because, or he's just going too quick. But he's traveling in two different ways that I've noticed. Uh, I don't really get it. I don't get how a player's been playing his whole life and consistently travels. It's my only complaint about Emil so far. But um, when I played, I, I didn't travel. Maybe I just wasn't fast enough to travel. Right? Probably not.
1: That's an interesting point.
0: Like, it's, the it's rules of the game dictate what you can do with the pretty, ball. Pretty simple, right? Like, the guys that take that quick first step and travel, like, consistently. You know, like yeah. Ricky Price. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It,
1: because it's probably, like, a grayish area. Some refs let them get away with it. It so is. The, pushing, sometimes the edges.
0: sometimes that's a bad call, too. It's like the refs saw someone it was too quick, and they just ding them for it. Yeah. Um, Know, I guess Emile won't that, won't have that problem as much in the NBA. Although, nowadays, the NBA is calling travels tighter. Uh, so, yeah, Grayson Allen, I have, I have a note that Grayson Allen bumps his head.
1: He bumped his head into the knee of, like, yeah. Emile or
0: Chase. well was a little, little worried he might have a concussion at that point. I remember thinking. He did? No, I didn't. No, know. no, I don't think he did. Yeah, I don't think the concussion was that significant. But my, yeah, my initial impression was, like, yikes. I thought he hit his head on the floor and then showed the replay. He hit his head on, he his head on uh, the lower leg.
1: Yeah, I, um, didn't, I didn't think that was. It was Chase up. Jeter's, yeah. It was, either a, it was either Jeter or Jefferson.
0: Uh, the really weak spot, you know, if we want to pick something out that was a big problem, was the transition defense. Uh, Michigan got, State got, kept, got burned a few times, yeah. Got burned on made baskets more than once. Yeah. And I'm not sure whose fault it is, you know. We don't have, like, the game tape. I only watched the game once, but... It kept happening and it was troubling. it may be you know, it might just be some amount of, you know, just lack mass. of awareness. But I think I think again it, it might go back to this they're only playing six guys and they're tired, they're conserving energy where they can. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, one other thing that sort of raised an eyebrow in terms of potential uh causes for concern, uh rebounding against the top teams, You know, I think we've re- rebounded well against uh, lesser teams, but against Michigan State and especially against Kansas. We're it getting, looks different. Yeah, we're getting out-rebounded. Like, not significantly against Michigan State was 39-33, but Kansas definitely out-rebounded us. And if the other team has, like, two or three bigs and we're playing four guards and one big, that could potentially be an issue. I'm going to
0: ding you here a little bit you know. because uh, team rebounding can be deceptive. They had 39 rebounds. We had 33, so that's six extras. But we had a lot more possessions than they did, right? So we took 66 shots. They took 55. Even though we made more shots, we scored more points.
1: They they turned the ball over.
0: We missed 36 shots. They only missed 28. And the defensive team usually gets the rebound. Right. So there's eight extra, essentially eight extra possessions, eight extra missed shots, opportunities to rebound. The fact that they only out-rebounded us by six you know, there's some counter argument to what you're when, pointing out. When we
1: shot 11 times more. Yes, I exactly. Yeah.
0: And, you know, Emil, I thought Emile rebounded pretty darn well, actually. And, he's a uh, good rebounder. Yeah, he's a good rebounder. I mean, he's
1: always pretty much right at double double figures. And I think Luke and Grayson are. His
0: rebounding rate well. compared to the team to total rebounds is pretty high. He's pulling down a lot of those rebounds. Now that uh, Marshall Plumley's gone, Marshall Plumley's not grabbing a lot of rebounds for the Knicks these days. But I saw he got some minutes the other night saw he in got a blowout. A, I yeah. saw he
1: got a lot of minutes one time. Yeah. Good. I mean, good for <laughs> was, him, man. So I never thought he would be in the so NBA. It's shocking. <laughs> I mean, he's actually one of a few. I never thought – I thought it was a joke when Shavlik Randolph declared himself eligible after his junior year. Here's a guy who's averaging literally four four points at three and a half rebounds a game, and he
0: – Well, he was a number one recruit. You know, was. Michael Jordan wore yeah. his jersey, you know, at one of his high school games. He showed up wearing his – I mean, Shav had talent, and that 2003 title game or semifinal game against UConn with Dang in yeah. 2004, that that tournament, he showed flashes on defense especially, rebounding and blocking shots. Yeah. He caused people problems. right? And it was just amazing he didn't put it together more while he was at Duke. And then he goes to the NBA, and he shows flashes there. And if it wasn't for injuries... He would have had a really solid role player career in the NBA.
1: Sort of like Josh McRoberts. I mean,
0: Josh McRoberts. But we'll talk about Josh McRoberts another day. I don't want to get into Josh McRoberts, man. Talk about potential. I don't. I don't know exactly what. What I don't know why. Why he hasn't done better. I don't know why he wasn't better at Duke. I don't know why if he, he leaves he, me feeling well, he, so uninspired.
1: It's I, I. I felt like he's like a six nine. Powerful body, but he played like he was a six-three off guard.
0: He didn't want to do the dirty things, yeah. although he was such a great passer. He had such well, a good, he was a great passer. such a good like all-court game, you know. Um, all right, we'll get we'll yeah. we'll get into our Josh McRoberts on uh, on some of these off-season podcasts. I could talk for twenty minutes about Josh McRoberts. I don't think everyone sure. I'm we'll sure everybody's people. looking forward to that T- <laughs> Tucker Max stories and Josh McRoberts frustration. Those are my some of my least favorite Duke teams, and my ex-wife used to watch the games and like, be like, that guy isn't hustling, you know, you know. Josh McRoberts. My ex-wife loved hustle. Yeah. All right. Um. My new wife doesn't watch the games. She doesn't care. <laughs> and. Uh, all right. So, my only other note on the game that I had was Nick Ward. Um. Nick Ward in the post. I thought the guy was really good. Um, five to seventh in field. Uh, he scored eleven points. He only played fourteen minutes. I don't know why this guy isn't have a more featured role. He just looked really good. We didn't have an answer for him. Uh, actually.
1: Was he scoring in transition or was it post back to the basketball?
0: Solid post play, yeah, just really strong. And we had an issue with the that guy off the bench for Kansas. I've I should know his name. Azubike. Azubike. Yeah. yeah.
1: I saw he started. He, um, his his numbers aren't great, but you can just tell it's just he's he's raw. Big,
0: big, meaty, heavy, strong, big guys are going to give us problems until 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 re, our re- 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 until Bolden comes in as the answer. Bolden and Giles. Bolden's the guy who's going to guard those guys. He's he's got the length, but um, but yeah, I think I think that's a theme transition defense people movers inside because Emil as good as he is is still thin he's strong for his build but you know yeah, um, yeah so it was a good win you know good solid win a good test uh, I know Michigan State hasn't has a you know four losses on the year and they're young so we can't pat ourselves in the back too much and there was you know but uh, we usually win in the big Ten challenge did you have any other notes from the game from Michigan State?
1: Hmm. No, not really. Uh, impressive second half, you know, when the game was on the line, came through.
0: Yeah, stepped up when they needed to. Uh, Luke Kennard had twenty points, and he was eight for eighteen from the field, despite his one for seven from three. So that means he was seven of eleven in his mid range and yeah, his mid range game. His, his mid range is really it's nice. Just
1: so money. I mean, he. I mean. Mm-hmm. Hyperbole, he almost never misses. Seems like,
0: seems like very high percentage shot, and he's playing well in defense. <laughs> yeah, he's he's not a defensive liability at all so far this season. Was um, he last year? No, I, okay. I just you know the way. Yeah, I mean, um, he's just a good all around player. Emil had a really good game, seventeen and thirteen. Grayson had twenty four in the end after a terrible shooting first half. Um I noticed Grayson missed the front and back end of a two free throw situation, right? He had two shots he missed both.
1: He missed a couple. I don't think they were both.
0: Was it the other game maybe? Appalachian Where State. He, one time he went to the line, I think just, he went over to two. Two.
1: Yeah, I don't think it was this game,
0: but Okay. Luke Luke continues to Luke also missed two free throws, but I think his free throw percentage is higher. It's one of your pet peeves.
1: They're they're pretty identical now.
0: Okay. And um yeah, hopefully some of these freshmen come back in the next week or two. We keep talking about it. They're wearing warm-up jerseys. They're coming out and warming up.
1: Yeah, it, I, I, feel just, like, I feel like Jason Tatum is still a ways off. You know, like he he can't even warm up with the team. That, I think that's a little troubling.
0: Well, it just might be the type. Of, I mean, we really don't know. We just we just don't know. Yeah. Uh, what's going on this week? We have a game this Friday. We have a game tomorrow.
1: We have a pretty easy game tomorrow <clears throat> against Maine, and then early next week we have a. I, which should be a pretty good test against Florida, which is ranked 24th currently. And then the most important game is the following game, UNLV. Important
0: the, uh, because we're going to get to go to it. T-Mobile Arena. Yes. i um, taking a look at the team picture of the main guys. Uh, it's actually a pretty entertaining picture. Uh, let me tell you, Danny Evans has a, has a really nice energy and smile. He's right in the middle of it. And um, number ten, Wes Myers is rocking this like big headband. These guys look like they're having fun in their team picture. They look like a nice group of guys. I,
1: mean, I think they're two and five. I can't imagine they're.
0: I'm just saying they look like nice guys. They're probably. Uh, I hope they play something
1: like 35, 40 point I just hope these
0: guys play well when they come, and the game is at least a little interesting. You talking Maine? Any any team that comes in, yeah. I want them. I want them to at least play well in the first half.
1: Uh, have you been watching any other games?
0: Uh, I saw College some of basketball? Aaron Fox's triple-double. I've seen some of De'Aaron Malik. De'Aaron Fox? De'Aaron Fox. I've De'Aaron se- Fox. I saw Malik Monk's shooting uh, in a game where he just was on fire. Um, I haven't gotten a chance to see uh, Fertz on Washington. Have you seen him?
1: I have not, but he is currently the number one projected player.
0: That's yeah, the guy the Sixers. The Sixers need a point guard and I'm a Sixers fan. Three, so,
1: three, out of, three out of the top four are point guards.
0: The Sixers need to get one of these guys, hoping they don't win too many games. Um, <laughs> don't try, worry. You, you don't <laughs> have to worry too much. Well, no, Embiid's minutes restric- I mean, Embiid's minutes restriction is coming off. And I would like to it's get not into coming
1: off, it went from, from twenty four to twenty eight.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, that's a that's big that's not coming off though. Well it's 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 going yeah. up. Yeah. Right. You can play more. Twenty-eight uh, is a lot closer to what you'd want him to play, ideally. Uh, one topic I'd like to get into you on one of these podcasts during the season here is this whole Embiid and Okafor situation in Erlands Noel, mm-hmm. because o- Okafor is one of my favorite recent Duke players, uh, and I enjoyed watching him play so much last year, and I was I was hoping he was going to
1: take a step forward instead of back.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'd I'd like to get into it. You know, okay. I, uh, I have some thoughts. Okafor uh, the, there are some excuses that can be made but um, it's very clear Embiid is the guy there if he's healthy that dude is large and in charge um, yeah so we got some games coming up to talk about we'll do one of these after the Florida game
1: uh, sure
0: I mean we don't need yeah. to do one after Maine unless you want to do one that's like not game related we can go talk about HBO shows and <laughs> Tucker Max.
1: No, let's talk about Ken Ken Palm real quickly. Okay, yeah, yeah I mean, it's what we were talking
0: about at the beginning, uh, yeah, right after I mean, the poop story. The,
1: uh, like predictive analytics has has really entered the vocabulary of sports. Uh, you you heard Jay Billis in the most recent Duke Michigan State game talk about offensive efficiency, Ken Palm ranking, stuff like that. Um, so first, let me let me ask you, let me ask you this question: What would you say if I said there? Were only six teams that can win the national championship so the six teams being Duke
0: Whatever. we are approaching an hour but we we'll, we'll, let's let's have the discussion we're here huh what's that the first 15. The first, yeah, the first ten minutes we were recording, a lot of it's not something we're going to use, but we are going to come in. Maybe, it's fine. I mean, who cares? Nobody's listening. We can go as long as we want. I'm pretty sure nobody's listening. (laughs) At this point, yeah, I mean...
1: But if I pose the question to you that only six teams can win the national championship this year, Duke, UNC, Virginia, Kentucky, Kansas, and Villanova, and maybe... Wait, was North Carolina in there? Yeah, UNC. Okay. So... Three, three, three out of the six, four out of the four. This out of
0: the year does feel top-heavy. Yeah. Uh, like that year a couple years ago where it was Duke, Wisconsin, Kentucky. Like, those were three powerhouse teams, Right. Uh, ex- Wisconsin, with their experience and talent. But this year, I mean, North Carolina's coming back. They're bringing a lot of players back. They have talent developing. Yeah, North
1: Carolina's very much like Villanova in the sense that they've lost – a point guard and a big. You know, UNC yeah. lost Marcus Page and Bryce Johnson like two critical parts and yet they're they were playing tremendously before I, Indiana knocked them off. I and mean it's just tough to go on the road to a hostile environment.
0: Villanova
1: lost Archie Diagono and Achefu and yet they're playing
0: uh, arguably Archie Diagono was that his name? Yeah. You know, is that? Uh he was great for that team. He was obviously one of the leaders, but it's Potentially, the guy they're bringing in for him has a higher ceiling. Maybe not – as a college basketball okay. player, that guy was great. Yeah. But um, it's a big team. loss. It's a right. big loss. Right. But, you know, he wasn't like it, like a super efficient shooter or anything. Um, okay. Uh, the big guy was a big loss. The big guy was really good. Yeah. Um, but this, they, they have, makes, they have makes, new guys. They have new guys, yeah. too.
1: And they, they have new guys, but both UNC and Villanova, they've got three starters returning, you know –
0: they're all good. They all have a lot of self-belief. UNC and Villanova both have a ton of self-belief. Right. And uh, Jay Wright and Roy Williams are incredible coaches. Especially Jay Wright. Especially Jay Wright. <laughs> Especially Jay Wright. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. Jay Wright does really good things as a coach. Yeah. And he gets his teams to play with such heart.
1: I was, I was happy to see him advance in the tournament last year.
0: He's my answer, by yeah. the way. If I had to pick a coach from outside of our program, to so, come in and, and coach, coach for the next fifteen years. It
1: would be him. Mine would be Brad Stevens.
0: No, no, no. College coach. College I mean, coach. He was a college coach. Uh, Brad Stevens. I mean, the list is not that long. It's, it's Tom Izzo, Brad Stevens, Jay Wright.
1: I'm not sure Tom Izzo. Uh, I mean, I think. I mean, Izzo's a little, a little older bit, now, too so old. yeah. Even Jay Wright might be.
0: Jay Wright's got. Jay Wright's like I don't know. You could look up Jay Wright's age. My guess is he's. Not older than, like, 52. if, And I think he's younger, actually.
1: Let's focus. Let's focus, Mike. Let's go back to those four teams. Wow, Jay
0: Wright's 55. About to turn 55. He looks
1: great. Jeff Capel's going to be the next head coach of Duke. It's <laughs> pretty It's pretty clear. I mean, anyway,
0: I love Jay Wright. I'm a big admirer. Uh, definitely can't count out Villanova. Yeah. Um, but pretty either true. of those teams can run into a buzzsaw named Duke and a buzzsaw named Kentucky... I mean, Kentucky, and Kansas, so much talent.
1: Virginia. Virginia held three consecutive opponents to below 40 points. I think there's 40 th- points. I mean, obviously they weren't that good, but still. Virginia's
0: got no shot. No shot. I mean, Virginia is the same kind of team every year the last few years. They play great team defense, but when it comes down to it, yeah. they just they get there's not they're not talented enough. They don't have enough shooting usually. Team, their team play is amazing. Of course, they have a chance, but um, they're, they've been overrated the last couple of years in terms of their chance to win the national championship. Yeah,
1: I think they've run bad. You know, they got they had to play Michigan State in the second round and lost a couple of years ago. Like,
0: yeah, you know, they, they haven't. They just haven't done it. But you know, that doesn't mean they weren't better than maybe they were better than that Michigan State team. They just had a bad day, right? But and they've had really good teams, and I really like their teams. I'm just saying, they don't have elite offensive talent usually. Okay. Um,
1: Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but to go back to my point, uh, Ken, Ken Pomeroy is some mathematician who comes up with all these measurements for college yeah. basketball teams, and uh, those are the top six teams. Duke has been pretty much number one the whole the whole season. And what he does is he measures how many points your team would score. I mean, adjust for... So
0: we're number matters. one without our super trio of freshmen.
1: Right. Which is pretty impressive, you know? Like it just,
0: we're we're very, playing very efficient basketball. There's no doubt about it.
1: Yeah. Like, yep. And without even shooting that well, I think.
0: But this team without those three guys, I don't think they're winning the national championship. They could. I, I mean, mean, not that it's... Yeah, it's always possible. It we always right. have a chance. We always have enough talent to have a chance. What's interesting this year is how much talent, how much like high level talent is in the freshman class. Like this guy Fultz, I mean, his team isn't good enough. Yeah. He's looking like a Ben Simmons kind of like season. But there's other guys out there, there's a lot of talent. And you just don't know at this point in the season. You don't know Yeah. I mean just...
1: you're you're collecting data. We're like seven, eight, nine games into the yeah. season, so we have more data to work with, but I agree with you, it's still young. And I like that these top teams are sort of playing each other to sort of measure each other. Um,
0: yeah, it feels like one of these teams probably, like it, it'll be a couple of the, two or three of these teams will be in the final four. I think that's I, about all you could say. Yeah, I
1: feel like three out of the six will be in the final four and maybe I, one team will, will sneak in.
0: I just don't think it means anything to say that though. Like I'm saying, oh, it'll be two or three. What the hell do I know? I mean, it's just, it's there's so much random chance in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. And this is kind of why you can't make these proclamations. If it was all best out of seven, best out of five series, then the best teams would get there. The most talented teams would tend to get there. Yeah. But it's March Madness. A lot of things can happen. The favorites usually kind of get there. Like some favorite does. Yeah, some favorite there are upsets does, in the first not, round the second yeah, round. But then they get three, weeded one or, out. Three one, know, one or they two They get weeded seeds. out by
1: better talent, better programs, you know.
0: They eventually do. It's hard for those teams to get through it all, for sure.
1: Yeah. But, um... So going back to Ken Palm's uh, metrics, uh, two, two big metrics, uh, points per 100 offensive possessions and points uh, that you yield d- defensively. Like Duke, sort of a troubling trend or concern. Like you remember that Jabari-Rodney Hood team that somehow like was in a dogfight in one of these like Appalachian State games, like early in the season, they barely beat I think it was Vermont. It was like 98 97. The team struggled on defense. Yeah, so but it wasn't just that team. Like I would say two out of the last 3 years teams have struggled defensively, with Javari
0: was injured a lot of that year. Yeah. And we re- relied heavily on a couple of guys. But even even yeah.
1: last year like, you know, when Coach K goes to zone, it's We're playing it's better a tr- team it's basketball. Yeah, it's a troubling sign that our defense isn't quite up there. And if you look at the Ken Palm metrics over the last 15 years, like, you can't win the national title if you're not in the top 20 defensively. Right. And, like, two out of the last three years, I feel like Duke's, like, 85th or 90th. Like, you just can't win, you know. So, currently, they're barely in the top 20 defensively, and that's something to keep an eye out. Just This team looks pretty good defensively, but it might just be because we've had a bunch of easy games so far. Marcus
0: you know, Bolden, Jason Tatum, and Harry Giles. It's, like... We're not even looking at the team. There's yeah. a chance we're not even looking at the team. You know, not not the team that it will be. And the big question is: Is there enough time in the season? Are these guys gonna have enough of an arc to to merge with the team and play team basketball? It's a big challenge. Despite the overwhelming talent, yeah. it's going to be a challenge to to integrate these pieces with the pieces that are there. And the pieces that are there are doing so well, and they're, that's nice. That's a nice story. I don't know what's going to happen with these three guys, so it's sort of hard to hard to talk about. I think. But.
1: Yeah. So you're saying it's more just the horses you have. We have. You're just going to determine. We
0: have how more. It goes. We in Kentucky have more talent than anyone. If Kentucky's amazing. If the if Kentucky and or Duke, like if these three freshmen, like oh. if it all comes together. They're going to be very, very hard to beat by any team that doesn't have a ton of talent. This is very hard to beat. Not impossible, but very hard. And North Carolina and Villanova are the kind of teams that might be able to do it. But even Villanova, they'll be overmatched. They'll be completely overmatched by Duke's talent, our talent, if if these three guys are playing and playing well within the team and are sixth best player or seventh best players are Luke Kennard and Emile Jefferson or Frank yeah, Frank Jackson these guys aren't even our three or four best players we just don't know how, how cohesive it'll be but
1: yeah I, I like that there's still a lot of time a lot of time to, to work those guys in yeah there's
0: a lot of variance I mean yeah. it's Hy- not
1: like Kyrie coming in the Sweet 16 trying to I mean, work out the yeah, team chemistry issue it's, not, it's not just one guy yeah. and
0: these guys aren't going to be the point guards anyways uh, the flaws for me are that we don't have we don't have a point guard. We don't have really have that point guard. Our perimeter defense will be a concern, but we have Matt Jones, right? And yeah. But we, yeah. we don't have a distributor, but we have distributors. We don't have like that one right that one leader, but I guess it's yeah, Grayson and it could be Luke. I don't know what kind of leaders these guys are. I do know all three.
1: Seemed, I think we have some pretty strong leaders, Emil and. Max yeah, we Jones. do. I
0: mean, the young guys—if they're the most talented—how does it mesh? But these are fucking great problems to have.
1: Yeah. yeah. You know,
0: if Tatum is who we thought he was, I mean, add just that guy, and if Harry Giles is actually healthy and playing and in uniform, he's gonna be the best player in college basketball.
1: What you think about Corey Alexander and that? Uh... William and Mary game saying that he was better than Chris Webber at this point in his career?
0: I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Seems he's been injured. like a ridiculous statement. Two, Seems completely ridiculous. Two years ago? Yeah. Two years ago, that's what they were saying. Chris Webber. That's the comparison. Chris Webber. Freak. Freak athletically and a team player. Like yeah. He played on those uh, international U.S. teams and I saw a lot of footage of it. The kid is for real. And I just hope and you know, I pray he's going to be able to be that guy again. And that was him at 16. Yeah. What's he going to be like more mature, you know, in the future? What's going to be like at 25? I have no idea. But, yeah, dude, we're, we're loaded. What we're doing without those guys.
1: It's impressive. It's, it's very impressive. It's
0: great. You know, that said... We need those guys in order, I think, to be like truly elite. Otherwise, we're going to be like white knuckling it all year with like these six guys, injuries like we'll be on the razor's edge.
1: Yeah, just just so, the, sh- the short, just the shortness of the bench concerns me. But I I really like the balance. You know, the outside shooting, the penetration, the passing. Yeah. Just like the composition, the the team, the way it's constructed now is great. It's just be nice in these other guys. it's gonna upset the
0: Apple cart but yeah it's just gonna be tremendous you know the amount of talent it can't really be that bad um, as long as these guys can actually are healthy and can play and that's what I hope for I Just you know hope they have the time
1: they seem awfully healthy to me <laughs> they look yeah they look okay you know <laughs> they seem healthy it's, enough
0: it makes me salivate it makes me so hungry uh, and we keep talking about it at the end of every week we think they might play they're not playing yet. And you know I'm as hungry as I am for Bojangles, for these guys to to come out. So let's go get some fried chicken and uh, wrap this baby up. Sure. All right. Cool. Well, uh, we talked for way too long, and uh, but it was fun. Nice to uh, see you again. Me too. I'm gonna try to watch the games this week. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> All right, go Duke. Go Duke. <laughs>